What's happening, y'all? Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Bush coming at you solo today to break down some late round values. Today, I'm going to be talking about, you know, eight sleepers, eight guys that I'm taking in the late rounds of my fantasy drafts on underdog, uh, redraft mocks, all that kind of stuff. Some strategy on how I like to construct my teams in this area of the draft as well. If you guys enjoy this video at any point, you guys know what to do. Like, comment, subscribe. We're going to break down some of the guys that are going, you know, way, way undervalued outside the top 100 picks in ADP. So before we get into it, as always, we got to hit the intro. All right, before we get into it, as always, if you guys want to take this advice straight into action, then you need to check out Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the number one place to sharpen up your strategy and your player valuation for your home league drafts. It's the number one place to get ready to do the draft that you care most about, whether it's your college buddies, your work friends, your family, your, you know, uh, high school friends, whatever the case is, this is where you want to be practicing is underdog fantasy using the promo code FSE at sign up and first deposit. You'll get a hundred percent back on whatever you put in. So if you put in 10 bucks, you'll get 20. If you put in 20, you get 40, you know, the drill. And as a thank you for using our code, you'll get our season long rankings and our dynasty rankings for free as a thank you for doing that. So if you guys want access to our rankings for your home league drafts, this is how you can get them. Of course, also you can sign up on patreon.com forward slash fantasy stock exchange as well. So before we get into the actual player analysis I just wanted to cover basically what my late round strategy motto is and to, to kind of illustrate this better I did a mock draft to show you how I like to construct teams I've done roughly 75 underdog drafts so far this summer and so far this is the way that I've been structuring teams um, in the way that I've liked it the most because this is how I think you can attack the best value pockets of the draft this year so number one uh, the first screenshot that you guys can see is how I attack the first five rounds traditionally now I don't really have a, a straight up strategy aside from just taking best player available. Sometimes that means I end up with one or two running backs, two or three wide receivers, and probably a stud quarterback because I value the stud quarterbacks quite highly, fifth round type of area in fantasy drafts this year. And I'll cover more in depth on that in the what makes a league winning quarterback video uh, two Mondays from now when I cover that. But in round six to nine, as you guys can see, I'm usually hammering out wide receiver value. Mike Williams, Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore, Christian Kirk listed there. And then in the late rounds, obviously, which is what we're talking about in this video, uh, you guys can see my strategy. Number one, I usually don't draft tight ends early. So I, I usually have to draft a tight end in the late rounds unless, you know, Kittle or Waller or somebody falls like that. So I usually target a tight end or two, maybe a breakout candidate, maybe a safe guy like Hunter Henry, who I picked here. I'll talk about uh, two of those guys in this video today. And then number two, one of the strategy points that I go for is attacking a lot of running backs in the late rounds of the draft. So once I get out of the, you know, top nine, top 10 rounds, I usually want to have like six or seven wide receivers on my team. Because number one, the league format that I play in in my home league, you can start up to five wide receivers, three wide receivers, two flexes, and it's full PPR. So a majority of my late round picks are running backs because I usually only draft one or two running backs early in the draft. And wide receivers and quarterbacks typically are getting sharper and sharper in terms of the ADP every single year. As you guys can see on the screen, the wide receivers that were drafted inside the top 100 picks in ADP to finish as a wide receiver two or better, so a top 24 wide receiver or better in points per game each year, has only been like two or three guys the last couple of years and you guys can see who's listed there the other 65 out of 72 or 90 percent came from inside the top 100 picks so typically
typically as a market, we're really sharp at predicting what wide receivers are going to be great that year. We don't know necessarily who's going to hit and who's going to miss, but generally ADP is pretty accurate. Round nine plus, once we talk about wide receivers, unless they're rookies, they're probably not a wise investment because at running back, the running back position is opportunity-based. So some of these guys in the late rounds, if they get the opportunity, they can be great, but the same is not true for the wide receiver position. So number three uh, thing that you'll notice about my late round strategy is since I'm targeting quarterbacks early, I typically don't end up with a lot of late round quarterbacks. But if I were to be going after late round quarterbacks, I would take stabs at young guys with rushing upside like Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Daniel Jones, Jameis Winston, guys like that. Unless I'm playing best ball, I uh, don't need to draft a second quarterback. So uh, those are my favorite late round quarterback targets, if you were curious. So every one of these eight players that I'm going to discuss in this video will fit into one of three categories. Number one, they'll either be a rookie wide receiver. Number two, an ambiguous running back backfield situation, or they're going to be a handcuff. And number three, they could be a late round tight end option because these are typically the type of guys that I like targeting in the late rounds based on how the early rounds and the mid rounds of my drafts go to that point in time. So the first guy on the list here is David Bell, wide receiver from the Cleveland Browns, rookie wide receiver from the Cleveland Browns, wide receiver 82, 189 overall pick on underdog fantasy right now. He is currently my highest owned player across all positions that I have on underdog fantasy right now. And the reason I love Bell so much is because I think he was a great prospect. And I think he has a legit shot to lead his team in targets, if not be second to Amari Cooper as a rookie. Uh, as it stands right now, Baker Mayfield was just traded to the Carolina Panthers. So Jacoby Brissett's going to be the quarterback most likely this year. But either way, we have third round draft capital, great size, productive in college and productive at a young age in college. The only issue with David Bell's profile was that he was not a great athlete. He didn't test very well. He tested like me after three bowls of soup. But I love him for redraft because outside of Amari Cooper, who I'm lower on in general, David Bell doesn't have much target competition. And again, he was a good prospect. And assuming Jacoby Brissett starts most of the season, David Bell is an easy target for him. He should be playing in the slot, trustworthy target with great hands over the middle of the field. And my comp for David Bell was Jarvis Landry, who he replaces in this offense. So I expect them to use David Bell in the ways that they were using Jarvis Landry in years past. I really like David Bell at his current uh, cost right now because he's basically a guy that you get as your last pick in your home league drafts or one of your last picks on an underdog draft. So another guy that I really like is Jahan Dotson, wide receiver from the Washington Commanders. And if you guys were following us in the dynasty offseason, you are probably not shocked at all that I like both of these guys from in redraft as well. Wide receiver 63, 136th overall pick on underdog fantasy right now. The highest win rate in the 2022 wide receiver class against zone coverage, 96th percentile according to Matt Harmon's reception perception. Jahan Dotson, people forget this about him. He was a 16th overall pick, top 20 overall pick in the NFL draft, and he dominated high-level competition at Penn State. You guys can see his stat line since 2020 against ranked opponents. This is a dude that was productive, and more importantly, he has a very translatable skill set. He can get open. He has good hands. He's good after the catch. He has good body control, stuff that you look for in wide receivers. And now that Terry McLaurin is back because he got extended, we should get a sizable discount on Jahan Dotson for redraft purposes because everybody's going to assume that, rightfully so, Terry McLaurin is the number one there. And there's not going to be a lot of targets to go around. But the problem in getting uh, too caught up in target competition is the talent and the ability of the receivers on the field to win their routes, to get open and to make plays is what determines how targets get divided in an NFL offense. Carson Wentz isn't going to drop back for the Washington commanders and go, oh, well, Curtis Samuel is making more money, so I have to throw in the ball. No, Jahan Dotson is open and Jahan Dotson is winning on his routes. He's going to get the ball. And as the 16th overall pick in the NFL draft, I expect Jahan Dotson to be on the field running a lot of routes as soon as week one. There was 420 non-Terry McLaurin targets last year in the Washington offense. And I bet none of you guys will be able to guess 
who the leading receiver was outside of Terry McLaurin. If I gave you 30 tries, it was actually Adam Humphreys with 62 targets last year. They need a proven separator, either in the slaughter on the outside, Jahan Dotson can do both. And in the draft, they decided to make that a priority by using a top 20 pick on a wide receiver when they already had Terry McLaurin. I think he can work alongside Terry McLaurin. I think this could be a guy that finishes as a you know wide receiver three in points per game in fantasy. And again, that's not out, you know outstanding. That's not a guy that's going to necessarily win you a league. But in the 15th round, if he's your fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh wide receiver on your roster, that's going to help you guys out tremendously in your flex spots. Number three, also another rookie wide receiver is Garrett Wilson, wide receiver from the New York Jets, wide receiver 51, 109th overall pick on underdog fantasy. If you're going to take shots in this area of the draft, like I said, the wide receivers that you want to be taking shots on are probably rookie wide receivers because they have the highest upside. You should already have, like I said, six, seven wide receivers already on your team. Garrett Wilson will have some solid target competition on his team with Elijah Moore, who I have well above consensus and Corey Davis, also a guy that's going to contribute there. But part of the appeal with Garrett Wilson uh, is that he was a great prospect, top 10 pick proven separator, great hands, the whole nine yards, just like most of the other guys I've talked about so far. But my actual appeal for Garrett Wilson is the appeal of his quarterback, who I think can take a huge seismic step forward in year two. Zach Wilson is set up unlike any second year quarterback we've seen in recent memory. The, the talent that he has around him, the way that they've built up the offense, the offensive line, the running back core, the wide receiver core, tight ends that they bring in. All that stuff has him ready to take a huge leap as a second-year player, and nobody's been set up this well really since Patrick Mahomes was a second-year quarterback. So if Zach Wilson hits, then Garrett Wilson could definitely hit as well. So on to the next category of late round values. Those were the wide receivers that you want to take, or the archetype at least of wide receivers that you want to take after round nine, round 10 area of the draft. The next archetype is running backs and ambiguous backfields slash handcuffs. So Number four is Melvin Gordon, running back from the Denver Broncos, ADP of 34 uh, at running back, 103rd overall uh, on underdog fantasy. As much as I love Javante Williams, and you guys would have seen on Monday's video that I think he could be one of the biggest league-winning running backs at the position this year, I love Melvin Gordon at his price also because everything that I said about the Broncos situation, um, you know, the new quarterback, the offensive line, the scoring potential, all that stuff applies to Melvin Gordon also. I don't know if the split's going to be 50-50. I don't know if the split's going to be 60-40 Javante or... Javante Williams, this clear workhorse running back. But what I do know is that Melvin could have a sizable standalone role like we saw from him last year in a much better offense and is also a massive handcuff with a high ceiling if Javante were to get injured. So to me, I don't really see a huge difference between a guy like Kareem Hunt and a guy like Melvin Gordon because both of them should have some standalone value and both of them are great handcuffs if anything happens to the starter ahead of them. So I really do like uh, Melvin Gordon, and he's even in a better offense than Kareem Hunt. So he's another guy that I really like. Number five, Ramondre Stevenson, running back from the Patriots, uh, ADP of 38 at running back, 111th overall on underdog fantasy. The definition of an ambiguous backfield is the New England Patriots. Damian Harris is a free agent after this year. It seems like the Patriots have a new running back that's their highest fantasy score every single year. Damian Harris was their highest scoring guy as a top 20 running back last year, but he needed a lot of touchdowns to get there. And the one thing that I do know about Ramondre Stevenson is that he's a good player. He proved that last year. He was top five in the NFL in tackles avoided per attempt. He was top 15 in yards created for a big running back who can contribute as a receiver. He also had three games where he was entrusted with a full workload and two of them, he scored over 20 fantasy points per game and was a top six running back in both of those games. So if anything happens to Damian Harris, he's obviously going to be really great. But if 
anything happens in this backfield as far as the workload is concerned, Ramondre Stevenson could outright win this job. He doesn't need a Damian Harris injury to be the main guy here, but it would obviously help him if Damian Harris got injured. So the final guy that's in this ambiguous running back territory that I really like this year is Tyler Algier, running back from the Atlanta Falcons, rookie running back from BYU, running back 47, 153rd overall on underdog fantasy. My bet is he's this year's Elijah, uh, Elijah Mitchell. He's this year's James Robinson, if there's going to be one, obviously. Fifth round pick out of BYU. BYU, big physical running back, very productive in college with over 300 touches his final season, 1,800 scrimmage yards and 23 total touchdowns. And he also had a 77th percentile target share of 10% too. So this is a guy that can really contribute on all three downs. He doesn't do anything outstanding, but he's pretty good in all areas. He's a good athlete. He's not a great athlete. He's got good speed, but not great speed. Last year, 150 carries for Cordero Patterson in the Falcons' backfield. I think they want a guy to spell Cordero Patterson as the early down banger and use Cordero Patterson more in that gadget role that we saw from him last season. Obviously, the early down grinder in the Falcons' offense isn't that valuable of a role because it's not going to be a great offense. But if he's getting the goal line work, he could definitely be a back-end RB2 this year, and it could lead to Algier being a huge value in drafts again. You don't want to draft back-end RB2s like David Montgomery or Ezekiel Elliott when they're going in the fourth, fifth round. But when they're going in round 13, 14, you'll definitely take that production in your flex spot or as your RB3, RB4 on your roster that you can plug in on bye week. So the final archetype of guys that I like taking in the late rounds are upside tight ends or tight ends that can give you good production if you don't get one early. Number seven on this list is Pat Fryermuth, tight end 11, 125th overall on underdog fantasy. I've spoke on Fryermuth in previous videos, so I'll keep this one brief. But for a part-time rookie tight end, who was behind a multi-time pro bowler in Eric Ebron last year. Fryermuth was a top 16 tight end in points per game, and he led all tight ends and red zone targets as a rookie. Pat Fryermuth had pretty decent target totals once he secured that tight end one role for the Steelers. We were consistently seeing a guy around five to seven targets per game, again, getting used in the red zone, getting used uh, and was trusted by Big Ben. We don't really know if Kenny Pickett or Mitch Trubisky is going to start most of the year, but I think both of these guys should gravitate towards Pat Fryermuth in his second season. Again, rookie tight ends, we don't usually want to expect a ton coming from those guys, especially when you're behind on the depth chart like Fryermuth was, but he proved himself. He was able to get on the field, and I think he's going to have a big, big second year. He is my highest owned tight end on underdog right now because you can get him outside the territory where you have to draft you know, a surefire dude. Number eight is Hunter Henry, the final guy of this video. Obviously not a huge, huge upside tight end, but a tight end 17, 149th overall. You could pair both of these guys together if you wanted to get one guy that you think is a little bit safer, like Hunter Henry, guy that has more upside, like Pat Fryermuth. Pair both of these guys together. Both of them are pretty much touchdown or bust tight ends. And Mac Jones and Hunter Henry had chemistry last year. If Mac Jones takes a step forward this year, which wouldn't be you know out of question because he was pretty good as a rookie, then Hunter Henry could have an eight to 10 touchdown season if Mac Jones is suddenly like a 32, 35 touchdown passer in his second season. Seventh in red zone targets last year and 10th in deep targets, despite not getting a ton of work overall, only 75 targets on the season. The Patriots did not add a ton of wide receivers uh, to this team. They added Tyquan Thornton, who was an overdrafted second round rookie. They added Devontae Parker, who's, you know, a, you know, grizzled veteran or whatever. But I think Hunter Henry is going to be a big part of this offense. He ran 71% of the routes last year. I expect that number to come up a little bit. And a guy that I think could probably not, he's not going to finish as a top five tight end or a top six tight end unless he has a bunch of touchdowns. But I think he could be a back end tight end one that you can just, you know, punt the position, get a guy like Hunter Henry with your 13th or your 12th round pick and pretty much be set most of those weeks and, and let the rest of your team carry your roster. So um, with that being said, that is the end of the video. If you guys, again, want to take this into action, check out Underdog Fantasy promo code FSE. Check out the Patreon as well. Tons of uh, content going on over there. Uh, and you don't want to miss out on that stuff. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash fantasy stock exchange is how you can be a part of it. 
Like this video if you guys enjoyed. Comment any of your thoughts down below as well. And subscribe to the channel if you are new. But with that being said, peace out, and we'll talk to you soon.